Welcome to the Sober Nation FM podcast, where we're putting recovery on the map. I'm your host, Jonathan Sylvester. This show is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Do you want to take your recovery to the next level? Do you want more support, community, and fellowship? Sobriety Engine is an incredible community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. You can get a ton of great tips, resources, and guidance to help you succeed in recovery and in life. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. Sober Nation FM is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle all while supporting your sobriety, then you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave a review. Nation, let's hop right into today's episode. Today, I'll be speaking with actor and Days of Our Lives star, Billy Flynn. Thanks for coming on the show, Billy. Thanks for having me. So I want to hear all about your work and some of the new projects that you're working on or you've been working on recently. But would you mind telling us a little bit about how you found recovery? Like, what did your life look like before you actually got sober? Because from what I read, things didn't start out on a, a great note, even from that first drink that you took. So what did things look like before you actually found recovery? Man. Uh, well, <clears throat> you know, I, I, like I'm sure like many of, uh, of people have said, like for, for me, it was chaos from, from number one. Um, I remember being 14 and uh, I got together and it was um, uh, some friends had some bottles of Captain Morgan. And from the first step, I don't remember anything afterwards. Wow. Like I remember, I remember glimpses of um, throwing up out of the back of a, a, a pickup truck, sitting in the bed of the pickup truck in the middle of winter, covered in ice, possibly my own urine, I don't know because everything was wet, but, um, and, and in the midst of it all thinking like, this is, this feels cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, which is the chaos that, or which is the, the insanity of it from, from number one. Right. I remember getting out my, um, my friends dropped me off at the front door, just left me at the front door. You know, my best friends left me at the front door of the step, thrown up all over myself. My mom came out. Um, but she didn't come out. I fell into the door, came in and like my reality was different than apparently what happened in my reality. I, I had walked in the door, super, uh, super cool. And, um, my mom said, you know, it's, I was like three hours, four hours past curfew or something like that. And, and I was like, yeah, mom, I'm very sorry. You know, I'm just going to go up to go to bed. Everything's fine. You know, that's not the reality. The reality is I came in and was mumbling all over the place, covered in puke. And uh, she was really upset. She called the cops on me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and that was my father was an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. So I grew up hearing you're going to be just like your father. Wow. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think she had a lot of fear. She was a young mom. Um, didn't necessarily have the best uh, picker with men. Uh, and found herself in a lot of uh, kind of toxic relationships when she was younger. So I think she led from fear, called the police on me, got a minor consumption, uh, threw up all over the cop, um, and yet in the you know uh, got a, uh, kicked, expelled from school or suspended from school, kicked off the hockey team, all the consequences wow. with it. And remember uh, thinking like that wasn't so bad, you know? I, I was it, the it it it. it the bug had bit me, you know, like I liked it. I liked the way it felt. Yeah. I liked feeling disconnected from everything. Um, so that was the first one. And at 14, it just started, it just, it, it went from zero to a hundred real quick. I mean, it went from, um, you know, drinking Captain Morgan and whatever we could get our hands on as kids, wine coolers, whatever. I had two minor consumptions by the time I, or, or um, not minor consumption, uh, underage drinking and driving by the time I was 16, that progressed to cocaine, um, very quickly turned to methamphetamines. And, 
all of the consequences that come with it, skipping school, fighting, you know, truancy, like probation, um, in and out of maximum detention, juvenile detention centers. Yeah. Uh, and just thinking this is life, like what, like I'm a rebel, you know, and this is how it's going to be. Uh, and then, and then um, I got taken out of the home at 17, put into a foster home um, for a year and was able to kind of, which you, you'll find in my story, the, the, I find pockets where I get things together. And okay. funny enough, drugs and alcohol, um, I, I'm able to, to stop using drugs and alcohol and my life tends to get better, hmm. uh, but only for long enough to, to kind of get some things back and then I, I jump right back in because yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily know or believe that it's alcoholism. I mean, I was in and out of treatment centers at 15, you okay. know, and at that age, you're, you're wondering, this just feels weird. You know, it almost feels like some sort of like Stanford experiment type thing where like mm-hmm. a bunch of people are telling you something's wrong with you. Right. Yeah. And say, putting you from therapist to therapist, you don't really understand what's going on. You're just mm-hmm. a kid like going like, I don't, I'm trying to figure out who I am but this thing feels good and people like me when I do it. So, but you're telling me it's wrong and, and punishing me for it, you know? So I found really quickly that things, things had consequences, but it, I didn't take it as um, consequence. I, I took it as like, you don't like me, you don't love me. And this is why you're pushing me away and getting me in trouble for things. So I'm going to go with the people that love me. And those were the people that were, you know, I was partying with. Um, so that was the, that was kind of the first chapter of it was that like high school, like middle, like middle school to high school phase. Okay. I had managed to get my life together. I met a girl in high school, Okay. um, ended up going to college. Mm -hmm. I I dropped out of high school, but, um, I ended up, so I ended up taking my GD tests and I scored really high, like top 3% of people that have ever taken it. So I got into the first college I, 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 uh, I applied to the only college I applied to, which is where my girlfriend at the time went. Okay. Got great grades, made it through college. Progressively started partying, partying more. So my grades started here and kind of slowly dipped, but not enough for me to assume it as a problem. Although I was getting in a lot of trouble. I mean, I was like, I was waking up in random beds, losing my car on a weekend basis, like calling the police saying somebody stole it. Meanwhile, it's, you know, in the middle of the street and I'm in, it's rural Minnesota. So like, you can get away with quite a bit. Yeah. Um, you know, it's my car's parked diagonally in somebody's yard, you know, God knows where. And, uh, turns out I left it there, but, um, that was my kind of a college experience that led to, you know, graduate. I moved out to California to become an actor actually when I was 22, right when I graduated college. Okay. Um, wanted to do it more of a, more looking back, more of a geographical because, my girlfriend had broken up with me. Things were chaotic. I had no real outline of what I wanted to do after college. So I said, I'm going to be an actor because it was something I've always wanted to do. Mm. Um, it lasted three months. I blew all my money. I partied every day in California. My dad, my, my, now my dad lives in California, lived in California. So I had a place to stay um, technically, but uh, you know, I was just, I met new people and partied and, and then, you know, three months later, I'm, I'm, packing up the car, driving back to Minnesota with my tail between my legs. Uh, and then I um, kind of able was able to get it together a little bit, even though I kept partying. And then I found a job at in, in finance as a financial analyst at Accenture. And, you know, again, started off, this is going to be great. This is going to be the future. I'm going to do it. And then, you know, very, very quickly turned into showing up at work at 11 a.m. instead of 8 a.m. And uh, hung over smelling like booze and watching Netflix and Hulu all day in my cubicle. And, uh, I was, I was let go. And that's when I, I said, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this thing I've always wanted to do, which, which at my heart, you know, is what I always wanted to do, which was come out to California to be an actor. I had a little bit of money in my pocket, um, and then decided to give it another shot. Uh, and that's when I came out here to act. So uh, 26. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like, and, and I've, you know, our, our stories minus the, the acting in rural Minnesota, I mean, similar to some degree in that I would, you know, get all these great things going in my life only to 
then totally sabotage mm. and, and destroy them. So you're out in Cali. Uh, at some point, you go to an audition and you get this role for Days of Our Lives, right? Yeah. You know, and, and, and that in itself is, is kind of interesting. And, and so I moved to California at 26. I, it was a good, you know, I got here, I got a job um, working as a, as a financial analyst at Warner Brothers, where I was able to be on the, the Warner Brothers lot and like just dream, you know, and like yeah. fantasy for me is like first, first addiction to just this, this to, to fantasize an idea of what could be. So there was like, it was like a perfect um, place to be for somebody addicted to fantasizing. Like I'd walk the lot and you'd see the house that James Dean did, you know, East of Eden in and like the, the house that was used in that movie and Rebel Without a Cause is over there. And, um, and I was there for about a year and of course got fired uh, uh, for, for not living and let living. <laughs> like trying to control uh, people who were like, had been there for like 20 years being like, you're doing it wrong. Trust me, I know. Um, so when I left there, I, when I got let go there, I, I, I had enrolled in acting class though, which was a thing I, I did there. So when I left there, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to act full time. I, you know, I, I was able to, um, go to audition. I booked a commercial, a Taco Bell commercial. I was able to get a little bit of money coming in. Um, and I, I kicked around like really struggling because I was, I was drinking quite a bit. I mean, I'm like at this point, like, and I, I, I had met somebody who would have a whiskey every night. And I was like, that's cool, man. I'm going to do that. But just thinking like, this is what we do in LA. This is, you know, like I'm an artist type of thing. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> um, that, that ended up with me, you know, it, it, kind of hanging on. I was in acting class and I, I, I was auditioning for some big things, nothing really landing. Um, I was getting more and more in debt, ended up getting, I, I was renting a room from a friend and I could know I was working at a bakery at the time, part-time just to kind of make up the money. But I wasn't, I was making like 200 bucks a week because I was showing up late and, and, uh, you know, uh, drinking a lot and not doing my work. So like, um, things were getting bad. I couldn't afford the apartment, the, the, the room in his, his house anymore. Ended up getting kicked out and was either going to be living in my car. Um, or luckily I had a buddy who had a sailboat, a little 27 foot sailboat in Marina Del Rey. And I, and I lived on that where, um, things got pretty dark until I decided, you know what, I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to, I'm just going to stop. I'm going to stop having sex. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm, I'm going to rid myself of all the things that, that all this stuff that I think is making me not get the things I want. Right. And, and I didn't know it was sobriety or, or, or anything like that. I just stopped everything cold Turkey. Um, and I, I did that for nine months. My acting got better. I got in better shape. Uh, and that's when um, an, an audition came along for, for days of our lives. And, um, when that came around, I mean, I was really at the peak about 10 months. I was feeling really good. My work was fantastic. And, uh, and I went through several auditions and, and ended up booking that role while I was living on the sailboat. Okay. Okay. It's, you know, so from what I've read, no, no one else on the set really knew that you were struggling with any of this at, at any point in time. I mean, did did things i mean i'm guessing at some point you know you started drinking again like what what happened so you get this you get this role and then yeah so it was it was a very slow progression uh this this that time around it, it went really slow and then got really fast like okay um i got the job and very quickly afterwards you know, it, it was interesting when, before I had that first drink again, after that break, you know, cause I, for me, it was just a break. Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna take a break, you know, I'm going to get healthy. Um, and I would have friends like, Hey, have a beer. What will, you know, whatever. I'm like, nah, 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 you know, and, and there was almost guilt, a guilt to, to, uh, saying no and even wanting to like, uh, like I knew that there was something I knew that 
I was being tempted and, and saying yes would make me feel guilty, which was interesting to me. But eventually it was a friend's birthday and I went and I had a drink and, and now I'm an actor on a show. I got some money in my pocket. Things are good. Things are as good as it can be. I made it. Right. And um, so I had a drink and it started off really slow. I was still able to work out. I was still showing up super early. Okay. So you sign a two year deal. Okay. When you first start. That first two years, I, I just did fantastic work. I mean, it was like, like I was this new guy on the, on the show. I was doing good work. Everything was fine. Like, um, I was drinking more and more, but, but, um, and then, and then, so, but not, not enough to where things were spiraling out of control. I started throwing in cocaine every, you know, other weekend, maybe every, you know, whatever. And then it became weekends. And then, um, so it was enough to where my ego started getting out of control and it came off as, well, I'm just this actor. I'm just young punk, whatever. I don't think people, I think, I think my, my ego, my narcissism disguised the, the drinking and then okay. it being <laughs> that, you know, like, yeah, yeah. You know, like when you, when you dream of something, you're kind of in your entire life and then all of a sudden you get it and everybody's rewarding you for it and telling you how great you are. For me, it went to my head really quickly. Like, mm -hmm. but about four years in, I was, I was using and drinking enough to where it was, I was showing up late, but it hadn't gotten where it ended yet. And, and that was like, I was starting to, you know, went from, it went from trying to hide it from, I had a girlfriend at the time who became my wife. So I was like, well, I'm not going to do anything around her. I'm going to do it out. And then I'm going to stop doing it at a certain time so I can go home and go to bed. Okay. Well, that turned, that turned out to doing it instead of, you know, my last bump would be at midnight. It would be at two. We and had a I, schedule. You got to have a schedule. Got to have a schedule. Right. <laughs> so then I could get there. And then that schedule started getting more and more pushed. Yeah. And then it wasn't just, when she's not around now I'm going to do it when she's around and try to hide it. Mm. And then now I'm hiding it while she's around and now I'm going to push that schedule later and later. So, so that, that was, that was it unraveling. And then, um, I lost my great grandmother who was like, my, who was, you know, really my other, uh, soulmate in life. Like she, she was really something, something um she was like really truly an angel in my life and and i used her death as an excuse why things got as bad as they did for a long time it's obviously not but i was really sad and here's this person who for most of my life was the person who i was able to talk to tell everything to she was my blanket my warm like that thing in a sense that made me feel like everything was going to be okay and then i could do no wrong and now she's gone and now all the secrets that I've had my whole life that I shared with her are now mine and only mine. Hmm. And around, so I got married in, in October 1st of 2016. And I was drinking and using a lot, like not using a lot, I was drinking a lot, starting to use more and more. And then she passed away two weeks before my wedding. Wow. Um, and I was working so much and, and able to throw so much rage at like work and how unsatisfied I was and blah, blah, blah. And then I, um, she passed away. I got married, went back to days of our lives where I'm shooting like eight episodes a week and memorizing like a hundred pages a day. And then I went to go shoot a movie and around the movies when things in, in December, she passed away in, in September, got married in October, went, went back to work, went to shoot a movie in December. And then things were like, as soon as I got back from shooting that movie, I was able to keep busy long enough. I, I it went from weekends and, and drinking on the weekends, maybe a Friday or Thursday night to pretty quickly every day. Um, and trying to hide that. And I managed to go to work, but I, not because I would wake up and go to work. I would, I, it got to, I was drinking a bottle of vodka, a bottle and a half a day compensating with an eight ball every two days hmm. and going to work. But in the meantime, pretending now my wife thinks I'm grieving. She doesn't know, you know, I'm, I'm drinking too much. She doesn't know about the cocaine. 
And, you know, I'm doing things like, you know, lying in bed, hopped up on, on, on Coke, pretending to sleep. And then do, you know, when she falls asleep, roll over, do a bump and then lay there in a hot, sweaty mess for another four hours. It's like wow. some torture type, like Guantanamo yeah. Bay type of shit, you know, like, and I would just stay awake and it would be six days on one or two days of sleeping and then, it, you know, it just, and, and it, and until it spiraled into, you know, really trying to kill myself one or two times. So was that those times that, that you did try to take your own life? I mean, what, what, what happened? Like, what was the intervention? I mean, number one, what prevented you from actually doing that successfully? And number two, like, how did this then turn towards like, okay, let's, let's get some help or let's. Yeah. So I was smart enough to know that this is going to catch up with me. And I'd always say, she's going to leave you. She's going to leave you. She's going to find out. She's going to leave you. I just, all these secrets were just building and building and building and building. Um, you know, we started, we started doing a couple's therapy and I was high as a kite in this couple's therapy and I would cry and I would, you know, and everything's going to be different and better. And I was going to my own therapy, high as a kite through the whole thing and cry about my great grandmother and how my life is terrible. And, you know, um, and some things came to a head and uh, a lot of the secrets that I'd been keeping and a lot of the, the, the shady shit that I was doing, my wife found out. Um, one day I was, get, I was like getting my car washed just high as a kite, uh, you know, I, I left in the morning saying, I'm going to go, you know, do some something. And I was getting my car washed, doing drugs, drinking, doing my thing, doing my routine, you know, like get out of the house. So she doesn't know you're fucked up. Right. And, um, I get a phone call, what the, you know, and she had seen some, some texts and some emails and some things that showed her what I had been up to. Mm. And, uh, she had enough. So I, uh, funny enough, I had, I was, I was set to go to this event in Montreal. Um, I stayed up for the next, it was like three days away. So she, she left. Uh, I stayed up for three days partying, got on a plane, was able to bring some, hide some stuff, got there, kept going, ran out of the stuff that I brought that I wanted that I, that was like my thing but I happened to bring a bottle of Narcos mm -hmm. that I started downing and until I lights out. Luckily I woke up, um, but that was, that was, that was really the, like the bottom of the barrel is I'm like, you know, everything that, everything that you read about in like an e-Hollywood story suddenly becomes you. And I'm like covered in my own snot and tears on the floor of a hotel room, just down a bottle of pills um you know because i was out of the thing you know cocaine that i had smuggled to fuck across a border that was when i woke up from that that was going to be it for me okay but it wasn't yeah right yeah. i i was i got sober for i think 30 days mm -hmm. until she took me back and then went off again mm. um and i did that type of thing for 3 months until I finally got let go from days of our lives. Um, so I, I and, and in between that in the three months, I, I remember saying, well, I, you know, I don't want to go to rehab. I used to go to rehabs when I was younger and it's not going to be good for me because they're just all terrible people. They're the devil, you know? Right, yeah. And then, so finally I agreed to go to an outpatient, did the outpatient literally hours after my last day when I wasn't going to be tested anymore. I went and scored. Mm-hmm. Um, was able to hide it off and on for a little, for, a, you know, a couple more weeks. So that was around, so May, May of 2018 was when she left me the first time. I started over the next three months, went back and forth. Uh, July, the show ends for me. I go on, we're, we're about to buy a house. I think that buying a house will, will fix everything. Uh, we're three days away from signing the, the papers on this house. And uh, I decide to go on a bender and I leave and, and go and get a hotel room. And 
uh, in that four-day bender or three-day bender, we're set to set, sign these papers on Monday. It's like Sunday. And uh, I have that, that moment of clarity. I'm at a Dave and Buster's <laughs> playing Mario Kart against some children, you know, cussing them out uh, for, for, for beating me or something. And I just, I, I sobered up for a second mm. after this, you know, whirlwind of, uh, of the, in the amount of things that I had been putting in my body, I just yeah. sobered up and I was like, I got to go home right now. This, I can't do this anymore. Called, called my wife. She was gone. She'd gone to stay somewhere else. And, uh, was like, I'm done. And that was my first night sober was, 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 um, eight, eight, 18. Now I had to deal with all the consequences, which was, she doesn't want to get a house with me anymore. I don't have a job. Um, she, she's, she's maybe willing to, well, at first it started maybe willing to make it work, but I had to come clean with some stuff. And then that sent her packing. Uh, so I had nobody, everybody was gone. And even with everybody gone, I managed to somehow have it in me to go. I gotta get, I gotta fucking get help. So I packed my car and I drove to Betty Ford in Palm Springs. Wow. Um, knowing that I had no job to go back to, mm -hmm. probably not a wife. I was going to, you know, I would spend the next months waiting for the divorce papers in the mail. Um, but knowing that if I didn't do this, I was going to die. And it wasn't, and funny thing enough, it wasn't the, it wasn't the downing a bottle of Narcos that did it. Yeah. It was sitting in a David Buster's. That's crazy. And somehow this God, you know, this higher power washed, you know, washed over me is such a weird thing to say, but you know what I mean? Mm, I got yeah. hit. I got struck sober for a moment and it was, it was enough. Wow. Um, so, you know, um, you know, my wife though, who's a freaking angel, you know, she basically set these guidelines where we're not going to talk for three months. And we're not going to live together for six in the beginning part, I imagine that it was something to do with like money or whatever is why she wasn't divorced, you know, something, okay. you know? Yeah. And I realized like, no, she, the woman loves me. Like mm. she just loves me. And, uh, and so, you know, I drove in, I checked myself in by myself. And by then I'd already had like a couple days sober, you know, I'd slept in my car before that because she was at the apartment and, uh, you know, here I am, I have everything I want. I'm driving around in a nice brand new Audi and I'm sleeping in it. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. You know, like, uh, you said you had been to, you know, for years, different treatment centers, inpatient, outpatient, you know, you've, you've seen and heard all of this stuff, most, <laughs> if not all of it before, like when you get to Betty Ford, what, when you got there, was there a different thought process going on now do you think some of those same things that you had probably heard before started hitting you a little bit differently um i mean the 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 two treatment centers that i gone to when i was a kid mm -hmm. i got kicked out of both of them for fighting okay so okay. i didn't hear much one yeah. i made it to the last <laughs> day before i would gra technically graduate mm -hmm. and, I, and i hit somebody in the face so like i was like oh today's my day my last day let me mess this up right right However, going back now as an adult at 33 years old, walking through these doors and going in and getting the bed that's covered in plastic because people piss on it, you know, and getting searched and, you know, like that was such a little kid familiar feeling that was like all these years later, here I am. Wow. That's, scary. you know, like, like the beginning of the circle that should have began. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, with the idea though that, all right, like, let's 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 finally do this, you know, like an embracing of like destiny, if you will, like this is where it was always going to end up. Here I am, and and let's uh, let's walk through it. Wow. Uh, 
and, and there was a lot of fear and a lot of shame and a lot of embarrassment. And, and, you know, especially when you're at a hospital and days of our lives plays in every single hospital room in <laughs> America, you know? So there was, there was that, yeah. that I had to go walk through, um, you know, a lot of people there knowing that like, Oh, Hey, you know, or you looking over at a TV and you're on television, you know, it's really an uncomfortable feeling. Like, I don't understand how people can go in there and like, be drinking up until they walk through the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hadn't gone in clear headed and understood that and, and been able to sort of have a little bit of balance. I would have been gone. Like I almost left multiple times, even being clear headed like that. can't, you know, like I can't, but, but I just, I kept knowing I'd hear something in a lecture because I was clear headed that said, oh, okay, I'm going to give it another day for me, the science of alcoholism and, and what it does to the brain Okay. really made a difference i got like i was feeling really depressed around week two or three and i heard of something in a lecture about endorphins and like why i couldn't make it past a month every time i tried to get sober mm. and i and it gave me another like i just kept having these higher power moments i'd hear something that i needed to hear in that moment that said give it another couple days and you'll get through it give it another couple days and you'll get through it and i just kept doing that now during that time it was, it was turbulent with, with my wife and I, cause we were, we would talk and then it would just spiral out of control. We get, you know, I'd say something to upset her. And next thing you know, we're opening up wounds that probably shouldn't be dealt with at that moment. And, um, I don't know how I made it. I don't know how she made it, you know, but, but ultimately we decided I'm not talking at all. I finally gave into what she was actually asking for, which was focus on yourself stop calling me and using me as a crutch. And, um, and I was able to do that. And, and, you know, it, it, at the inpatient thing, it started getting better. And then I got moved to sober living or like the outpatient part of Betty Ford. Okay. And like day seven, I found my roommate dead. And like, he, he was there when I got up in the morning, he was snoring and it was an eerie day. And then, and then I come back and I'm calling his name and he's not answering. And then I go to look over and see, and, you know, and the thing that, the thing about that is like, as I'm calling his name and I'm staying over him, his phone rings and it's his wife, her picture pops up. God. And immediately I'm hit with that second moment of clarity. This is me that I'm staring at. And that's my wife calling me. And this is where I always, like I got goosebumps right now, always have goosebumps because it was a moment so clear. And it was, it was a moment where all of the back, all of the escape hatches I had for, for, for sobriety, like I'll use during this, I'll use if this happens, blah, 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 were, were gone and I just saw myself laying there and I saw her calling me and I said, and I was like, all of the stuff, like all the times I never answered the phone when she called all hit me in a wave and I just got it, you know? Um, and I also called and I, and I, and I, so I called a couple of people cause that just, it, but had it not been for those two occurrences, I would not, I don't think I would be sober today. You know, like uh, it, it was enough for me to go, oh, I get it, I get it. I, I, you know, I like enough to make me really bow. Like I kind of, I, I mean, I bowed in the beginning and I was like enough to get me through the door. But some, but I needed that to break my will, my will. Yeah. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. and then went to this sober living where I stayed for a month and that had its own things. I mean, like, I'd never made it that far in recovery before, you know? So like the fact yeah. that people are using and um, I didn't feel safe, like even there, you know, because it's just like, uh, I think, I think the fear of finding somebody dead and there was somebody who came to the sober living who, had, who was using and he was doing heroin. And then I was like, I don't want to do this again. I can't, mm-hmm. uh, I don't like if I find somebody else that I'm like, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I already had so much PTSD from that. And then, so I ended up leaving there after a month and then got my own little apartment where 
where we worked out, my wife and I worked out the rest of our agreement. Okay. And then finally, um, we started dating again, you know, around November of 2018. Okay. And I'm seeing if we still liked each other, you know, and I, all the things of me saying, listen, I'm going to be a better me. Luckily we're true. Yeah. Well, man, and I, I can relate fully. Like my, I ended up marrying my high school sweetheart actually like we started the first time we dated was in eighth grade mm-hmm. but she was there with me through all of this and a lot of what you just said like i was hiding so much from her and there was this weird thing when i was in treatment you know i just remember this conversation that we had like she was getting ready to go to this like huge music festival with some friends you know she's she's not an addict so she can you know go have fun and you know and drink and stuff like yeah. that and, uh, you know, not get crazy out of control. And, you know, I'm in treatment and it's just like, well, how are we going to make this work? You know, and, yeah. and luckily kind of like you were saying, you know, um, some of the important things that you heard, like, luckily I remember being in a 12 step meeting and there was a guy talking about being in recovery and his wife, not in recovery. And just like how they had made that whole thing work. And I was like, I don't know how it's going to work, but people are making it work yep. so i guess we hear what we need to hear and man what an awful experience you had uh you know discovering your roommate like that i mean i i can only imagine um but it sounds like it's one of those things that's so awful but like there was some good that came out of it yeah i mean and i still talk to his wife wow okay. who checks in on me you know yeah. like that's great um and i checked in on her and and, and because i felt the sense of I was there, I found him, I saw him, you know, and, and, uh, you know, she'll, you know, I I went to his funeral where like his family, like embraced me. Like I, you know, like it was, it was, um, you know, it's a hard truth when you come into the rooms, you know, that you see people go. I mean, I've, I've, I've seen, I've seen more than I ever imagined I would since I got sober who, who have lost their lives to this. And, that being like the first one and in, in, in that type of fashion and how I found them and how it all went down. And, um, you know, it's, it's not that some people are going to pass for you to stay sober, but it isn't hard truth because it's, but as like tough as that is to, to say, or to, I feel like, I feel like to hear the spirit of like the fact that it's like, it's almost like soldiers, right? Like, yeah, we, we, we do stand on the shoulders of others in, in more than one way or, you know, and if it weren't for Marco, I, I, I could very well be dead today myself, you know, and like, and that's, and that's like, a, uh, um, this, I don't put that type of pressure on myself anymore that I'm doing it for him or for anybody, yeah. but, but in a sense, like, he lives on like his, I do believe there's cycles to this stuff. You know, like my father was an alcoholic who has always had a hard time staying sober. Um, my great grandmother, my great grandfather quite possibly were, you know, I, I'm not here to diagnose them, but like, there's a part of me feeling like there's a cycle that's closing. Like I'm, I'm, I'm finishing something that a lot of other people couldn't, wow. you know, and that, and, and, or I have the opportunity to, if I can, if I can lay my head down, you know, someday and, and die sober i put a period on it <laughs> this crazy old guy said to me in the meeting time i'm sitting next to him goes, you've done this before he goes do you have a hard time like do, do you have a hard time paying attention to me like it doesn't feel like it's challenging you enough and i was like yes like you've been doing this for many lives and i was like well that's interesting you wow. know and, and i'm yeah. like and, and but and he's like and, he, and he's like keep yourself challenged you can do it this time and I'm like, oh boy, like goosebumps, right? Like, who are you? Yeah, yeah. And and then he just like a, a dust storm. Dust, and he just goes away. Just, yeah. Gone. yeah, yeah. I mean, so I'm like, there's all these things. I'm like, I've I've never really been a believer. In my higher power is my higher power, but like, sure. but like, I'm like, how? And then the the stuff that the guy said with Marco, the David Buster's, you know, mid getting my ass kicked at Mario Kart. Like, there's just these things that I can't, 
I can't, or I'm not going to challenge, yeah. you know? I, I think, man, that's well said right there. You know, I think it got to a point for me because I was never, you know, a spiritual person or anything like that, you know, before I got into recovery, but it just got to a point where it was taking so much more energy to discount hmm. that these things that were happening than to just say like, okay, like there's something, there's something bigger at play here now. So you, you go to treatment, you get out, you go to sober living, you get out of there. That sounds like a good decision. I mean, I think, um, you know, I'm sure some of the people listening have had similar experiences, you know, no matter where you are, uh, whether it's, you know, school or, or work or whatever, some people aren't there to, to do what they need to be doing. Right. I mean, that's just, yeah. the, I mean, and, and I get it because when I was an outpatient, I was had the same mentality they did. I'm not yeah. judging them for it, but for sure, for me, it's not okay. For it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and, and you get out of there, but what is your recovery start to look like? And, um, and how does that start to uh, develop over time? So, um, so I get out and I, and I'm, you know, I'm doing the, the, um, actually, I, you know, I get a sponsor right out of rehab, um, who, who I'm going to meetings with here and there. And, but, but really it was like, for me, the, the meeting process was hard. It was hard to find because there were meetings that I had started going to in the three months that I started with trying to get sober that that were, were pretty dark meetings, you know, like, you know, when, when you go to enough meetings after a while, you find that there's some that are a little bit more positive and like, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, uh, not impressive. Um, it, it allows you to, 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 to inspire a little yeah. bit more, yeah. right? A little more uplifting. Yeah. 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 Um, so it really was about finding, it was like, I, I was going to meetings every day, but trying to find a meeting that I enjoyed. Luckily I found one. Um, uh, and I just, I got a commitment right away. Had gone through enough already that in, in steps one through three kept me sober for a good six months until I started able to get it in, getting into, you know, the rest of them. But so <clears throat> really it was sponsor. Um, I got, I just, I did what they tell you to do, you know, and, and I didn't even do that to the best of my ability, but I did it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, I didn't do it perfect, but I got a sponsor. I got a commitment. I found a meeting that I loved. I went rain or shine. And, um, I tried to talk to people, you know, I wasn't good at, I'm not, I'm still not great. Great. I'm trying to get better, you know, at, at putting out my hand and, and, um, I think that's been the hard thing COVID hit. So it's like finding a sponsee and doing that type of thing. Sure. I had one um, uh, about a year ago that it, it didn't work out. Uh, but I, I, I just did what I did, what people tell, you know, tell you to do. And that's just, just go to meetings, talk about it. <laughs> like, and, and that's kind of like, now I have online meetings and I go just about daily you know, because okay. coronavirus, but yeah, but, um, and then I found it like the routines have been very hard because they've, they've shifted, but in the morning, like, it's just simple. I, I humbled myself by waking up, by making the bed, I hit my knees and I, and I don't do it. Like for me, I don't do it in the shower unless, you know, even then I'll hit my knees. Like there's something about hitting my knees that, that makes me feel very humbled. Um, as opposed to like, I don't do it on the toilet or in the shower on my way to, you know, on, on a drive. Like yeah. if, if I, if I didn't do, if I didn't have time to do it here, I wait till I get where I'm going and I hit my knees there. Like, um, and I, and I do my gratitude list every day. Um, my meditation sometimes very short, but I just, I just do what I need to do. Um, so that, that's my daily reprieve, right? I, I'm, I'm going to a meeting that I'm doing my, my, my daily routine. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, you know, for me, I think therapy is still a huge thing. Uh, physical fitness, feeling healthy for me. Like I find that I use different things now to cope the way I used alcohol. And I say that like, not that I go on the vendors that I did, but like, mm -hmm. if I have pizza, like if I, if I've eaten healthy all week and I have pizza Friday night, I wake up Saturday morning craving shit. Like I, I wake up craving pancakes, 
yeah. and breakfast burritos and donuts. I'm with and you. then yeah. once I have that, I want some, I want a burger for lunch, you know, like, so, but I, you know, being kind to yourself is something I've learned in sobriety. Like, like today I woke up, I didn't want to wake up, you know, like when I first got sober and those things, I'd be like, something's wrong with you. What you're, you're slipping. I'm like, Oh man, no, you're tired. You know, or maybe I had fear about doing this podcast, you know, like that's keeping me in bed. And I, yeah. and I'm, I try to be really kind to myself. If I have, if I have pizza on Friday night and then I have some donuts Saturday morning, I go, you're sober. Yeah. Dog, have a donut. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm okay. I'm okay yeah. with, with as long as I'm alive, you know, but I do keep it in check knowing that there are things that I'll use to feel differently. Food yeah, is one true. of them. Yeah. Um, I'll do it with, you know, when the COVID, when coronavirus hit and the pandemic or the quarantine started, me and some buddies back home got on video games, but I found even video games I'll, I'll get into too much, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, like yeah. I'll start thinking about how I can escape to go do that. So I have to be mindful, but I, but I don't, I don't, I don't beat myself up about those things anymore. Like, and there's nothing wrong with me. I think differently. I don't like feeling the way I feel on a daily basis. Um, you know, I don't have, I don't have shame about it. There's 50% of the people in the world feel exactly like I do. And I know that now, like, it's very easy to go, I'm in my own pocket and nobody understands my pain. It's a really wonderful feeling to know that, okay, you're not special. Now we can't get out of here without you uh, plug in some of your work. Oh, sure. I, <laughs> All right. So tell us what you've been working on recently and maybe what's next for you. Honestly, I've been working on, um, not going insane. Uh, work is work is really slowed down because yeah. of because of COVID. Um, I'm back shooting at Days of Our Lives. Okay, so we're shooting new episodes of that. Um, my wife and I are working on writing a few things. She's working on writing some stuff that I'm going to be in. Um, that I'm going to act in. I just did this really cool short with um, Tipper Newton and Garrett Dillahunt um, called The Dangerous Type. So I think they're going to be releasing that to some festivals here um, fairly shortly. Tipper Newton's done a bunch of really cool stuff. She's hilarious. And Garrett Dillahunt, who's, you know, he's in Fear of the Walking Dead now, and he's, he's got an amazing career. So it was really exciting to work with them. So that that's gonna be that. Um, there was a film that I that, that I worked on, written that still were, I mean, it's tough. Things have changed because yeah. of COVID. So it's, um, but, but for right now, you know, we're back shooting that Days of Our Lives. And, um, and yeah, that's, that's it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm working on being a, uh, you know, decent person and husband and, and, uh, try not to go insane during these crazy times. Mm. That's what I'm working on. That's important. That's, yeah. that's job number one right there. Job number one, man. Yeah. Yeah. Before we wrap up, Billy, I'd like to ask if there's maybe one piece of advice that you would like to share with the sober nation, whether it's for you know, someone new to recovery, someone that's struggling, uh, maybe someone that's had some of the same experiences you have just with, you know, trying to figure this recovery deal out mm -hmm. over the years. Do you have any advice that you'd like to share with them? Like you're exactly where you're supposed to be. So be like, be kind to yourself and be easy on yourself and understand that everything's happening the way it's supposed to. Um, even if it, even if things feel very dark in the moment like just be kind to yourself and just be easy and things will things will work out you know and just don't give up hmm. yeah i love that i love that yeah i i think that's uh that's very well said and it's funny i was just laughing to myself as you said you're exactly where you're supposed to be because my first sponsor that was like, you know, every time something was happening that I didn't like early on in sobriety, mm -hmm. you know, he would hit me with that. And uh, I hated it at first, but he was exactly right. And, and I believe that, you know, even the negative things that, that I've experienced, I mean, there was, I was supposed to be going through that and, yeah. and I learned from it and grew stronger from it. And, uh, and I think our recovery grows from those things. You know, there's, there's no question. Yeah. You know, there's the one, the one last thing I'll say is, is somebody that told me this recently. And because uh, as an actor, you know, you're where we, we dream a lot 
And I think, I think there's something in getting sober that puts different things in reality, right? It's, 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 um, desires become, can feel dangerous. Whereas when, as an actor and, and as a human being, we should dream and we should desire it. And that should be something that we hold on to. And the idea is that, uh, I can want and I can, and I, and I can desire anything, anything really like a new house, a new job, all of that stuff. But am I okay without it? Like right now in this moment, I can want everything, but am I okay without it? And I've found myself to be at a place where I am very okay. You know, um, I have everything that I need, not everything that I want, but I'm okay with it. And that's kind of what I think has been, uh, you know, an important thing for me to put into perspective. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So you can connect with Billy on Instagram at in like Billy Flynn and be sure to catch him on upcoming episodes of Days of Our Lives. Thanks again for coming on the show, Billy. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the info from today's episode. Sober Nation FM is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Sobriety Engine is a free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. This show is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle while supporting your sobriety, you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And again, whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave us a review. Nation, thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.